This is Kate Swoboda, creator of YourCourageousLife.com, director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification at TeamCLCC.com, and author of the book, The Courage Habit, which is available at booksellers and at Amazon. The Your Courageous Life podcast is all about going after what you want and creating and living a more courageous, emotionally resilient life. Might drop a couple of F-bombs, so maybe don't listen with your kids in the backseat of the car. And here we go with today's episode. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Kate. Today, I wanted to talk to you guys about changing a negative mindset. And I realize that there are certain topics in self-help where it's like, well, not everyone is really equipped to change a negative mindset or not everyone you know, really has the tools. And, and I, I've just been noticing that coming up a lot lately. And I thought that I'd start today's podcast by just acknowledging that, that everybody's in a different place in their path, in their journey. Everybody is doing the best they can with the tools they've got. And I'm assuming that if you're coming here, you're interested in going, what could I change? What could I shift? What do I want to change? What do I want to shift? I mean, why is there even an assumption that there's anything that needs shifting? And if you've noticed that you have been stuck in any way in a negative mindset, I'd like to talk about that with you. How do we really look at the places where our thought processes, our mindset, our perspective has gotten skewed in a direction that just isn't very helpful, that isn't making us feel very happy? that's leading to ruminative thoughts that just become really parasitic. And how do we interrupt that pattern? How do we not let that mindset become a habitual way of being? That's really what I want to get into today. So I'm going to start this out by getting into a bit of a story. So I was in a group where someone within the group was having trouble changing a negative mindset. And as a result, she complained. Everything was pretty negative, and according to her, there was just nothing to be done about it. And at first, I got to say, I felt nothing but overwhelming empathy for what she was going through. Because I got to tell you, if you've got somebody who's complaining in your life, if you've noticed you're the person who's complaining a lot in your life, that to me is a symptom of a person's desire to be heard in areas where they feel powerless, right? Right? Like someone feels powerless, so they start complaining. They're trying to like get out feelings. They're trying to be heard. They're trying to say, hey, world, something's wrong here. And there's a lot of compassion we can have for that. And in the face of this person complaining, I listened. We all in the group listened. And on it went again and again until I began to notice that when this person spoke up, everyone in the group shifted. And I think that as a group, we, we sincerely wanted to offer nothing but empathy. But as each week went on, offering empathy didn't seem to do anything but encourage the spiral, the negative spiral. So slowly we began pivoting to questions about what she might do differently in her life, things like that. At which point, oy, you know, she became angry <laughs> that we dared suggest there were things that she could do. Now, I'll just give an example of how this kind of thing can sometimes show up. So, you know, um, her sleep was terrible. And so we asked how we could support her, and she told us a few reasons why she thought her sleep was terrible. 
And then we'd begin offering suggestions that could help. And then she was pretty deftly shooting down each one of them, even though they were within the locus of her control. And without saying, you know, what all those reasons were, I'll just say, for instance, like I've heard, um, you know, people talk about, I'm having trouble sleeping. And you might say something like, well, are you looking at your iPad before, before bed? And then the person might get kind of angry and go, well, yeah, but I mean, that's part of how I wind down and get to sleep. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. Just saying iPod or iPad before bed, one thing that could impact sleep. So it's like, there's this cycle that can almost happen where someone wants to change something, they feel really negative, they feel really bad, but then as soon as people start changing, suggesting things to change, there's this curious thing that happens where they're shooting down every single suggestion. And I know that in this group, you know, we had already tried offering a lot of empathy. I definitely think that when people rush in with advice, when they rush in with suggestions, it's like, oh, well, sometimes people just want to be heard. But there was something about this where even with empathy, things just weren't moving. So if anyone dared to suggest that there were things that this person could do, interventions that were possible, she was infuriated. You know, it was, it was like, how dare we not recognize that she was struggling? How dare we suggest that she was just needing to recite positive thoughts as if that's a cure-all? And the funny thing about that, by the way, is that no one was suggesting that she simply recite positive thoughts. But when she was angry with us, all of our suggestions were just becoming reduced in this way, as if we were just these flighty, superficial people suggesting worthless, overly hopeful options that made no sense. So what feels so tricky in these situations, and if you are already thinking of someone in your life who you know can show up this way, is that, you know, at the same time that we knew this person was suffering very much, and at the same time we knew that things like sleep deprivation and other things going on in her life were hijacking some of her responses, making it harder for her to see what else might be possible, this is kind of a hard truth, but she was also fighting with everything she had to maintain the status quo. And... That's really tough, right? That's really tough. And part of me bringing this topic to the Your Courageous Life podcast is because I have found places in my life where only in hindsight did I realize this. I was declaring in one breath how much I wanted things to change. And I was fighting in the next breath to keep the status quo, to keep things exactly the way they had always been. And I'm really curious as to whether or not it's possible that you might be doing that too. It's worth looking at your life because these are the places where we can be held back the most, right? So here's what we know at this time about most aspects of human experience, like happiness and habit formation. So there is a clinical biochemical genetic component in which, yes, there is a certain range that each human being is born with. Some people really are actually lucky enough to be born with a clinical biochemical genetic component to their makeup that just has them look on the bright side a little bit more, which is great, right? And with happiness, for instance, it's generally understood that about 50% of the happiness you feel is hardwired as in it's what you're born with. 
And there's this psychologist, um, I'm going to try to say her name, her last name correctly, very hard. So I believe it's Sonia Lyubomirsky, Lyubomirsky, L-Y-U-B-O-M-I-R-S-K-Y. And she reports that in her research, she found that only about 10% of your happiness is due to circumstance. So we've got 50% that's genetically wired, 10% that is due to circumstance. And this is due to research they're doing in the field where they give people happier circumstances and then ask them questions, you know, both beforehand and afterhand. And they're finding that circumstances actually don't move the needle as much as people think. And then there's a whopping 40% that remains. And what is that 40% of your happiness due to? Do you want to guess? 50% genetic, 10% circumstances. 40% is due to your outlook. Your outlook. So in other words, the research indicates that shifting your outlook, changing a negative mindset can lead to more happiness. So yeah, changing a negative, one of those few places where we have absolute responsibility, a negative mindset, and deciding I'm going to consciously, and frankly, I got to say, as someone who's done this process before, sometimes willfully, like gritting your teeth and white knuckling your way through, like willfully changing a negative mindset can make a huge difference in our lives. Now, here's the thing. When someone is sad or angry, whenever I've been sad or angry, you can probably relate to, um, when we're sad or angry, it's, it's easy to write that off as just this frivolous response to a life or a world that is full of problems, you know, like just, oh yeah, sure. It's that easy. Just be happy. Right. Oh, just how silly, how superficial. It's not like happiness is a switch you flip. Come on. You know, that's how I used to feel, frankly. I mean, let me be first in line to share that I spent many years of my life arguing with people, telling them how their suggestions that shifting my mindset could help me to feel happier were just ridiculous and overly optimistic and Pollyanna thinking that didn't realistically look at the problems that I and so many others were facing. And the thing is, I had plenty of evidence to point to that the world was falling apart. And I had this kind of high-minded idea that it was somehow smarter and more intellectual to maintain this constant awareness of my own or the world's failings and that people who were happy were privileged idiots who had either never experienced true hardship or who stuck their heads in the sand, refusing to see reality for what it was. And reality at that time, I thought, was a world that was falling apart one life at a time, including mine. So what was the result of that way of thinking and behaving? Let me just say for myself, the result was that the majority of all people who were in contact with me stopped trying to help. It's kind of like that group that I used to be in. It's like at first there's all this empathy. Wow, this person is suffering. Let me see if I can help. Let me really hear. But when that negative mindset just keeps going and going and going, people get a little tired and they stop trying to help. And that's just the reality of it. Like, sure, there are some people who are pretty saintly who stick in there, but a lot of people decide to move on. And then my world got lonelier. 
And all of that pessimism and all of that focus on what was so wrong in the world didn't make my life any better. It didn't protect me anymore. It didn't make me feel more equipped to help anyone who was suffering, that's for sure. And I came to see something myself when I was really stuck in this negative mindset. I really came to see that the negative outlook that I was clinging to was this sort of armor that I was suiting up in every day. Consider that for yourself. Like if you're always going to that place where you're going, well, but you know, you just don't get it when people are trying to help. What could that be about? Because for me, it was about holding on to pessimism. To be pessimistic about what was possible was a way of staving off the disappointment that might come if I were to hope for something and not see it arise. That's painful, right? When you really, really hope for something and it doesn't happen. The challenge for me, for our group trying to help this this one member, was that until someone is really willing to reconcile within themselves that A, they've got a negative outlook, not a high-minded, uber-intellectual, I-just-see-reality-for-what-it-is outlook, and until B, they realize that they need to change it because it isn't doing anything for them. Unfortunately, until they get to that place, nothing will change. And I can say from experience that few people, unfortunately, will love you enough to fight with your pessimism and try to get you to see that something needs to give. Most people will try for a while and then leave. And the spiral worsens. It's actually our job to recognize what we're doing and take off our own armor. And it's our job because we are the only ones who can. We've got to stop ruminating and we've got to start looking at the fears that are actually underneath that armor. That's where we'll need to get savvy to the fears we've been trying to hold back, such as the fear that things won't work out, that the hope and possible failure of hope could be too much to bear, the fear that things could get worse, the fear that there is no hope. To ruminate on fear is different than really getting curious about and investigating fear. Ruminating looks like, I'm so afraid that things won't work out. It's so hard. And what if XYZ happens? And then it's all worse. And oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Curiosity is different. Curiosity looks like, or sounds like, I guess you could say, how interesting. Okay, so I'm really overwhelmed right now. How interesting that I'm so overwhelmed. How interesting that I'm so afraid things won't work out. Why would I believe that? Why would I decide to define my future that way when I can't predict the future? That's curiosity. Now, no lie, at first, the work of changing a negative mindset is arduous work. I remember this. I remember feeling like I had to monitor every freaking thought. It felt like a lot. It was a lot. It will initially feel like an uphill battle, one where (laughs) near constant vigilance is required. And that vigilance does feel exhausting at first. And heads up, 
At first, you might fail at it a lot, catching yourself again and again, going into this old negative outlook and needing to reframe and needing to reframe and needing to reframe. And with me saying that, that prognosis might seem a little negative, but here's the silver lining. You will get better at it. You will get better at this. And as you get better at it, you will build on that capacity and you will find yourself able to think about possibility over pessimism more and more. It literally is practice makes possible. And then practice makes probable. And then finally, thankfully, practice makes perfect. All right, that's today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can continue the work and the fun over at yourcourageouslife.com forward slash begin, where you can get a bunch of great subscriber resources like worksheets, audios, other bonuses, and of course, who doesn't love a little more courage in their inbox? I certainly like it. You can learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification at teamclcc.com. You can find The Courage Habit at Booksellers and on Amazon. And we can connect on social media. On Facebook, look for Your Courageous Life. And on Instagram, look for Kate Courageous. So here's to you practicing a life where you live with more courage that creates a ripple effect of good in the world. Thanks for listening.